This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Hello, John. So today we're talking about Snyder Cut, which is the latest example of what happens when you let a director, you know, showcase their uh, their vision on a project. So I oh, want to start oh. off with you. <laughs> yeah. And I want to know, money, casting, uh, time, it's not an issue. What mm. movie gets the Pulliam Moore cut? Which the one Pulliam... do you give your take on? Right. I mean, I, so I'm not a filmmaker, so there is no pulling right. more cut out there. But if I had my druthers <laughs> yet, um, if I had my druthers, though, um, a film that I would very much like to see um, a super duper extra, you know, director's cut of, I want to see the original cut of Black Panther that was rumored to be four hours long. Oh. Not just because, not just because, you know, obviously I want to see more, but like, a recut of Black Panther that, you know, gave us that much more of a chance to get to know T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman would truly be like, listen, there was no way that you were ever going to be able to recast the role. But like, oof, that to me is like, that's that's it. You know, Ooh, that's interesting. I like yep. that one that came out of, <laughs> out of somewhere. I didn't realize it was going to come. I like that. OK, so we'll send an email to Disney and then we'll start the show. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer for io9 and former Gothamite. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions and the seventh member of the Justice League who just runs the team's Instagram page. Today, we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, it's kind of wild to say it out loud, but the closest thing to the quote-unquote Snyder Cut is now a thing that actually exists and is uh, streaming on HBO Max. Um, after our discussion about how we got to this point, we are going to dig into, you know, a big conversation about the movie itself. Um, normally, we would roll into cannon fodder, you know, about all the news that's happened. But with something like this film, it really just feels like we have to dedicate the entire show to just like, you know, breaking it down. So why don't yeah. we just roll into it? Just start with Stay the Cannon. Yeah, this movie was so big and with that girth came the same <laughs> increase sorry, <laughs> sorry what we're just gonna I'm walk sorry. past I that i didn't re i didn't realize that we were starting with like the epilogue of the movie <laughs> <laughs> no with Thematically, so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie actually the movie itself lengthwise it's long also <laughs> just this project in general is such a big project that it it there's so much i feel like to unpack and talk about that yeah we're not going to be going into the news of the week and we want to talk about like the movie so start off with initial reactions charles initial reaction Zack snyder's justice league what is it so the interesting thing is like just for work uh, work had really been keeping me like um right and ready to watch wandavision as soon as it dropped um, or more or less like a couple hours after it dropped um, and it was really freeing to be like, uh, you know, just sort of like free of that news cycle for, for a hot second since the show is over. And there was a hot second where I saw that um, the Snyder Cut, you know, it had leaked, quote unquote, onto HBO Max. And then mm. everyone sort of like tried to rush and go see it. And then the day actually came when the movie was supposed to launch on HBO Max. And I was on Twitter and saw people like already responding to it like the day that it dropped. And I, my, my initial reaction was like, bro, I'm not about to run go watch this movie because like you said <laughs> it's 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 this how to put 
it's this it's more than it's more than just a film and i hate using that kind of phrasing because that sounds you know terribly close to the kind of language that a lot of the the intense fans um who have supported this film use um i want to be really clear about this this movie is very much a spectacle um in the sense Mm -hmm. that like it is taken on a life outside of um the, the movie itself you know this is very much about like drama with warner brothers and drama with dc and drama with Zack snyder and so all of that really just had me like not interested in rushing to it um took my time got there you know friday and sort of cut it on and said okay okay fine and truly just put it on assuming that it would just be background noise um and settled in to be gradually over the course of again four hours (laughs) surprised (laughs) by it um in a way that I was not expecting and still don't quite know what to make of, uh, but I'm still sort of, I'm still sort of piecing things together. What about you? Yeah, I, I, when they, uh, I've, I've kind of been a, a Snyder fan to, to a certain extent, you know, this whole time. Um, I, I don't think of him as X6, some, some sort of like, um, you know, auteur filmmaker, but I think he makes, he has a, a does a good job of making like enjoyable movies that, that are, visually um a spectacle um mm. he's he's a little bit he's it, I, I don't want to compare him to michael bay but he's kind of in that category of those directors that kind of like they know their style their style is over the top um and they're not going to deter from that style and so it's there's there's a consistency in that and mm. you know i've you know i liked 300 when it came out i still like man of steel batman v superman you know the extended cut is actually a decent movie in my opinion and so on and so forth so but as more and more news about this project kept coming out we kept getting close to the date i was actually getting let down more and more about like some of the stuff that was coming out and so by the time the movie premiered i was prepped to the only thing i wanted from the movie was to finally have context of what this movie is mm, so we can finally yeah. wrap up this whole you know saga right. of you know the snyder cut um and was not you know prepared to like enjoy it a ton but as the movie like you know i'm watching the movie it you know i i was enjoying myself and i was like oh this is this is actually better i'm still waiting for him to to for you know for lack of a better term just like screw it up mm. um and screw it up enough to like ruin the movie because you know all movies yeah. have like have bumps in the road but uh, a movie can still be good as long as it you know stays on track to a certain degree and you know for the most part, like the movie did that, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's got flaws that could fill a book, um, <laughs> and there are still plenty of places that you like that are very glaring. Like you could have fixed this, my dude. Um, oh, but, and it's not even oh, it's not even just like broken things. It's like oh no, th- take this out. Like take no no no, yeah. no 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 like don't don't do that. Who who yeah. who approved this? And it's like oh, Zack Snyder approved this, and it shows. Like that's very. It's very obvious. It's it's funny. I I, I want to push back on something that you said. I do think like Zack Snyder is an auteur. There, like when I think of an auteur, it's like you know when you're looking at a Zack Snyder film, right? And not just um, interesting, not just in terms of the way that it looks visually, but the way that it feels and the sort of energy that he's clearly sure. trying to bring to the narrative with the camera. Um, you know, Zack Snyder, what he likes to do is he likes to render these images that are very, they're almost painting like right yeah there's a there's a grandeur to them that invites you to look everywhere and nowhere at once right i'm thinking that what comes to mind most immediately is that shot of we'll get to it but that shot of um 
Superman up in space, just like drinking in the sun. And it's like, yeah. oh, look, Jesus is like, obviously the, there are so many, um, there's so much, there's so much Jesus imagery throughout this movie. But in moments like that, it really is just sort of like, um, there are moments where I kind of thought about this movie like a song almost. And it's like, it's been building up to this thing. Like he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then he's up there in the stratosphere and he's like, I'm Jesus. And it's like, yep, he said the line, you know, visually speaking, <laughs> you know, visually speaking, um, to your point about waiting for this movie to, you know, fumble and, you know, drop the ball and really sort of trip, over, trip up over itself. I think I felt that same thing. And part of that came from like, you know, the narrative behind, oh, basically the Whedon cut was uh, completely unrecognizable from what Zack Snyder initially intended to right. bring to the screen. And I'm of multiple minds about that, right? Because there are multiple store like there are multiple situations in which that could be true and sort of like take different you know, and, and manifest itself in different ways. But something that I came into this thinking to myself was like, all right, let's assume that Zack Snyder is telling the truth about this, right? What is it then in this film that is going to be so drastically bad that I would understand why Warner Brothers would bring in Joss Whedon to drastically change sure. it? And I think that the biggest, up top, the biggest issue with this movie, right? It's big and it's unwieldy and it's the kind of thing that most average normal filmgoers don't want to sit through, right? It's huge. Correct. It's four hours, and that is in and of itself a problem. Um, there are ways that the studio perhaps could have addressed that, but in terms of bringing a, a traditional superhero film to the theaters, that was the biggest issue with this. There was no way that they were going to be able to cut this down into a theatrical, into what would we would recognize as a traditional theatrical yeah. cut, and it all still makes sense. That being said, <laughs> you know the, the hugeness of it aside. The hugeness of it aside and some of the really bad, um, some of the bad jokes and bad decisions, on the whole, I came away from this feeling as if like, it is not, it was not demonstrably worse than some of the worst films out there um, within no. this genre, which sounds like rather damning praise because it is, right? Superhero films, much as I love them, we all have to, we all have to acknowledge the fact that there are, there are weaknesses within, um, within the story form that are changing and uh, filmmakers are addressing in different ways. Um, but you know, and this, this film was guilty of a lot of those same problems. But at the same time, this film made me truly understand why Zack Snyder insisted on making as much of a funk about what the theatrical cut was. Why right. um, Ray Fisher was like, no, 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 no. You need to understand this was going to be a movie in which you understood, wildly enough, how and why Cyborg became one of the core members of the Justice League. One of the biggest questions in this entire, you know, in this entire media franchise, why did you steal a child and put him on this team of adults? And the movie's like, all right, like, we're, we're, we'll get into it, you know? And it's like, oh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure whether or not the, the stories about Snyder never having seen the theatrical cut are true, but I can imagine if he caught wind of how drastic it was, I too would have been like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you really don't know the true story. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the movie, you can't argue the movie gave a lot more, like I already said before, context to this whole story than mm. more than I even expected. Um, because as I, you know, a, after I watched the movie, um, full disclosure, I started a second watching this weekend because I wanted to like, try to <laughs> take it in again and remember uh, stuff. I only got halfway through a second watching. Listen, I've only got so many hours in the day. I feel like, um, yeah. And because, I, but then with that, I also was like, I started going back and I was like, I got to be reminded of like some of the details of, of the, his original plan for this movie, uh, you know, apart from the discord of like, 
the studio saying his first cut was unwatchable and then we didn't mm. brought in i was like okay so there was a point you know around bvs where you know snyder was still being looked at as the man who was going to make dceu the extended universe it was um and and in that time i was like i reminded myself I was like oh yeah zach like Zach really wasn't rushing to the finish line with this. Um, he originally wanted this to be like a two-parter, possibly a three-parter. Like the way he talks about uh, Justice League was that it was it was originally announced as as two parts. Like if we all remember that, which we don't, because like this news comes at us so quickly, we forget. It's like, oh yeah, there was a time where it was like part one was a thing. Um, and when you think about all of that uh, in context of like seeing the Snyder Cut now, you're like, oh, so this was like, this was the this was probably close to the two parts that he was hoping to put out, you know. So all that to say is that I think Snyder actually like the dude had at least a vision, you know. We're not saying the vision was the best or a perfect vision, but um I think he had much more of a of a vision than um you know, Whedon was able to fix, you know, the mm. the problems of um and it it again, it doesn't solve the 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 issue of of like what was originally come out in the Justice League, but at least it kind of shows you like, oh, like this was kind of too many cooks in the kitchen kind of an issue. This was less of a, like a Zack Snyder issue. Like it does really feel like uh, he had an idea and then was told to do something else with that idea. And I know from a production standpoint, from a creator standpoint, that when that happens, that can like really screw up your your whole plan and you might never recover. So like if Snyder originally was like, all right, this is my idea. It's going to take two movies to do. It's big, but I think if we land it, it's pretty awesome. It's going to set us up for pretty cool, like sequels in this whole extended universe. Mm. But then, you know, at some point someone was like, we don't want a two parter. We need you to fit this justice league movie into a movie. Do that. So then he hacks up his idea, you know, as, as you have to do, and he makes it, you know, work as best as he can with like within whatever constraints he had, time, creative energy, ideas, anything like that. Comes up with this like a uh, unwatchable version, and that that's that's the studio's words and that kind of thing. But the um, thing is, so like, I, I feel like something I do want to I do want to press back on here. It's like, so I'm curious as to what unwatchable means exactly. Does unwatchable sure. mean that it's incomprehensible? It does, or does unwatchable mean that it's long? Um, My theory is that it was their way of saying that he didn't make what they thought they needed for their studio. Hence some of the changes that happened in the Whedon version, like, you know, uh, answering the, the complaints to of a lot of people's critics of like making it more lighthearted and uh, brightening colors and all that kind of stuff to, uh, you know, to, to appease a crowd I think they thought was out there. Mm, see, the thing is like, so part of the difficulty about, and this is why we did the first conversation before this is because now that the film's out, I feel like because the movie is better than a lot of people thought it would be, mm. it is, it's, it's, it's affecting the way that we're talking about it in a way that I think we should be careful of because like, sure. they're one of the very valid critiques of this film is like, there are very few filmmakers in Hollywood who would have a film of this magnitude, have it fail, right? For all intended purposes, be a box office failure from the studio's perspective and then be able to launch what is essentially a digital cult of personality that convinces the studio to then give them 70 million more dollars to redo what is said to be just one scene and then some post-production to say that is privilege is an understatement right <laughs> and so to right it's like i'm going to be that person like let's be rather 
let's be rather frank about what sort of relationship exists. Like what rather. So listen, you as a, you as a, like, let's say, you know, a filmmaker who is tasked with making a film, right? There's obviously going to be some back and forth between the creative's vision and what the studio wants. But if the yeah. studio makes clear, hey, we're not going to do this concept, not conceptual, we're not going to do this big grand thing that you have in your mind. If yeah. you keep trying to make that thing and then the deadline comes and the studio says, no, 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 we were very serious when we said this is not what we asked for. You as a creative, you do have to sort of like own up. So like you didn't. Did you complete the assignment? Right. Like, is this this was the this is what the challenge of the week? Did the did we yeah. come to impress the judges or did we try to follow our heart? And while we can very much appreciate what following one's heart looks like, I don't want to fall into the trap of like, oh, well, like Snyder was robbed. It's like, all right, dude, these are very much the kinds of problems. No, no, these are kinds of these are the kinds of problems that most filmmakers deal with. And sure. the difference here is that there's a lot of light and heat and sound and attention being paid to this. The movie was better. It was better. And I, there are moments where it was very, like, solid. Um, something that I think that the film does really well and something that I initially came out of the film feeling is, like, I do... It's not so much that DC and Warner Brothers and Snyder rushed to the finish line. I do think that in a different... In a, in a slightly alternate reality, Justice League is essentially what Endgame was for the MCU, right? Like, it's literally yeah. just telling the story of the universe in reverse, um, which is why half of the film is essentially the introduction for all of these characters who had previously not had big screen um, yeah, yeah, introductions. Yeah. When you look at it that way, I understand where the complaint that the film is too long, I understand where that comes from. But if you think of the film as like, all right, this is going to be the big thesis statement about what sort of characters these are, uh, these people are, what they represent in this universe. I can imagine like the big ridiculous rollout you know for a limited engagement where you're there's an intermission and it's like this is what this is a preview of this new the new age of heroes right that's very much mm. a part of dc's branding they're like oh you know this is what's coming up next and i'm talking about the comics specifically but i can see that working for their cinematic offering as well i can see how that could have worked right but yeah. in trying to chase the marvel formula which is what the studio ended up trying to do it sort of shot itself in the foot and what's wild to see about this is like, oh, this is, you know, for all of the movie's flaws, this is much closer to an alternate approach to building out the universe. Like it's approaching with a big bang, essentially, which I think yeah. is very distinct from what Marvel has done. And legitimately, it's wild to think that that is the direction that the studio, or the very least that Snyder might've been trying to orient this whole endeavor, um, because now, we're like as it, we're in the thick of um, like this new wave of Marvel mania because of WandaVision and now Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and so our attention is being put back on stories that are being told in that very like Marvel esque style. And you mm -hmm. see other series in this space. Um, there's that Amazon series Invincible, um, all these other things just like floating around. They're all sort of like like that. And now you have yeah. the Snyder cut that's just like, what if we did it, you know, backwards basically? Like, what would that look like? And I think that. If executed well, it could have been, it could have been and still could be interesting because something that really, I want to shift into like, I, I want to get into like what didn't work, but something that definitely did work for me was the whole, like the promise at the end of this movie that, oh, this could have been something, you know? Yeah. If, you know, if I, the, if, yeah, I, I genuinely think that what we are seeing what we what what was delivered on HBO Max was the Snyder Cut plus cheat codes, um, <laughs> in that 
um i think it's very like after watching the the josh sweden one like you, you can't help but notice like okay i can see where the reshoots you can see the are. cuts and that's another you wild can... thing that jumps out it is rather seamless um the new footage weaving into what was right. there before because it's just like oh like y'all really just did surgery on yeah. this thing and stitched it up yeah and so like it, it's it's you you can see you can see where the reshoots are with the original one but i, th- I think with this one not only does snyder get to take you know how long ago did he work on this 2014 2014 mm. was like when this was first announced and that kind of justice league the movie so not only does the dude get like you know six years seven years to work on his project which is not how movies work you don't no. get seven years to be in production of seven your years movie. And w- seven years within your second chance right um so that's not how you know again i totally agree like this is this is a very privileged attempt at something um that you only get to pull off because of every single thing working out in his favor to Mm. this point you know of um of getting to the point where he gets to release this um but he also like we said this like the dude got to see how people reacted if he didn't even see the movie he got to see how people reacted to uh what would happen with the weed and thing and there had to have been people in a room somewhere in the production of the Snyder Cut who had seen the weed in and they probably saw like they were like um that line you're going to want to remove that line cuz people made fun of that line a lot <laughs> and we won't know none of us in the public get to know if that was a Whedon, you know line sometimes or if that was a original Snyder line or anything like I even like uh early on in the film when uh uh Batman and Aquaman are having their first interaction and and, and, yeah. it, and you know it blows up everything like that one of the most memeable moments was that that awkward uh entrance into the water that Aquaman does where he just kind of like weirdly falls backward in a very uh aggressive way falls and backward right and it's like come fight me bro and then like flies yeah. underwater and it's like and then i he thought goes, you were trying to hide that you were aquaman but okay yeah in the in the snyder cut that's not there they changed that you and know it's even and weirder <laughs> <laughs> it does it gets weirder see but that's the like, thing like every 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 change isn't necessarily like an upgrade better. and like a clear like right a clear like a clear revision in you know to the film's betterment some of it really is just like oh no some of that weird energy was just weird energy that was clearly a part of the story being told and then the directors decided which elements of it to put in there well cuts. yeah okay so then so then let's take that as a moment to like like really what what didn't work in this movie? Like even with the Snyder cut with his cheat codes on, what did he still, what did he still miss? Okay. So there are so many moments that are supposed to be tender here, um, that still come across dead in some cases and straight up creepy in others. Right. So, right. You, you know, know you, you know, know we... actually really quick, the coming off watching this after WandaVision become, be, makes it very apparent, like how to do like, romantic interaction right and and get your your roots in there correctly and where it's just like it's still not there dude right like wandavision like they were romantic they were also like be clear we having sex you know and you know and we'll, and we'll joke <laughs> about it whereas here it's like so let's start at um the very top so we've got aquaman in iceland um doing a much better job here of hiding the fact that he's aquaman aside from the fact that yes. he's like bron- like a bronze uh, aquatic person in a, a village full of um uh, pale Nordic blonde, white people, Nordic white people, <laughs> you know, being, you know, doing their best European cho- like children of the corn impersonation. Um, yeah. But so we've got obviously the, the thing that we're building to here is this moment where Aquaman rips his shirt off and like tosses it aside, um, which makes sense because it's about to get in the water. You know, you want to be aerodynamic. Yeah, who wants to swim with a sweater? Does keep his jeans on, which makes no sense. <laughs> and 
you know, as this, you know, supposedly like magical moment where Bruce Wayne is like, I know you're the Aquaman, but you won't reveal it to me. And Aquaman's, you know, you know, about to disappear into the ocean. The women of the village start singing in a rather midsummer-like way. But rather than it culminating in, you know, a group scream, it's this woman who like picks up the sweater and like sniffs it. And it's, I get, here's the thing. I get what it's supposed to be, right? It is, sure. I think it's equal parts like, it's equal parts like a sex thing, right? Totally. It's like, oh, Jason Momoa is sexy as shit, right? That would that's a, that's a clear part of why he was cast in the role. But it's also supposed to be this just like, oh, these are humans who aren't sure whether or not they are living in the presence of like divinity. Right. And so this right. person has like run up in what they think might be their only chance to get like direct contact with it. I get that. I totally get that. But this is creepy. This is creepy. It's creepy and it's weird, you know, because she's yeah. making like this dead eye contact off camera and you're like sis are you okay you good like what what's 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 happening here and meanwhile bruce is just like what the fuck is this which totally the most relatable that that man is in this entire film is when he's just like out confused in the the boondocks in iron in iceland just being like i should not have come here yeah i i i also re-watching it you know was able to like make sure like yeah the the movie is four hours long and it's long because there's a lot of extra content, but it's also like, especially with the rewatching where you're not like, uh, so, uh, brought up, you know, it's caught up in the spectacle of the whole thing. Like you're on the first time you watch it, you kind of like mm. really like enjoying all the newness, um, mm. just because of like the backstory of us with this, our history with, with justice league movie, but like in rewatching it, it's paced terribly. Um, it is, it is, it's a, it, it, it is, a, it, it is has a, a lot of good content. Movie. Yeah. It has a lot of like good new things and it definitely was like. That's probably still about two good movies in there of length, like like two good ninety minute movies. But also, um, like, not everything needs to be in slow motion. Zack Snyder, we get no. it. We get it. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big, beautiful movie, and it's on streaming. It's designed for people to go back and you know be able to pause it and watch it as many times as they want. You do not need to be like, hey, everybody, pay yeah, attention. Uh, it's it's extra. The the scene that I noticed it the most in my second watching was uh, when uh, Diana shows up to to pull that arrow out of the temple and then go downstairs and yeah and see all that like that scene takes forever like go mm. back and just watch that like that to the to the end of that scene where she's now got the idea of like what's going on it's like that took forever and like you that scene itself could have been cut in half and still had. The same amount of information, this, yeah, the same yeah. emotional context, everything like that, and so it's 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 scenes like that that are throughout it, where it's like, you just 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 a little bit more, dude. Just jump, just cut, carve off like five seconds every once in a while. You didn't need to hack it up like you did Batman v Superman, but just like carve off some time there, dude. Like just it's step great, up the pace. It's great that you bring up you know the bit with the arrow because something that was completely cut, like erased from the first film, and I think this is what I was picking up in a Snyder cut was that um, I forget. I guess it was Artemis um, who was there in, you know, that flashback battle that we see way more of in um, this cut. And that's one of her arrows that they're wielding, which gives it like, I was like, oh, like, what's this big metal, like iron prod that they're waving around? It's like, oh, no, no, this is a god. Like, this is this is the arrow of goddess. And it's it's one of the reasons that they don't use it like that. It's it's also the reason that just bursts into flames. But you seeing you seeing it in the context of this story that shows you how it's also one of the instruments that brought down Darkseid's forces when they first attacked the Earth. You're like, oh, that's what you're going for. And I get that the film is trying to 
It's trying to draw more attention to that, but the length of that sequence almost ends up obfuscating it, you know, because it's so much time in between when she grabs it and when, you know, becomes a key at one point. You're like, oh, so is this? I was like, oh, yeah. like the Themyscirans had fobs back in the day. That's cool. But I was like, no, Charles, you're losing, you're losing focus. But then it's like, no, nah, because the movie is too long. Your mind is wandering. Um, and that's it. That seems to be the that seems to be sort of like a recurring issue with this. There's there's this almost like ADHD energy kind of like running through it as slow as it is. It's also very like much in a hurry to pack as much detail into yeah. uh, these scenes, which is, I think, one of the reasons that Barry Allen sort of like both stands out as one of the characters who gets like the best revision in the movie, but also is the centerpiece of like one of the, the creepier scenes, you know, when we um, were brought back to, where is he from? Central City? Is that? Is yeah. That? Yeah, Central City, where he um, is trying to get a job and meets Iris West, played by Kirstie Clemens, who's back in the film. Um, <laughs> you know, who's, who truly just disappeared, right? Yeah, like Iris she West was, was the thing. Iris West, like many of the other black characters in this film, right, was cut, was cut in Victor's the theatrical mom. release. Victor's <laughs> mom, right? Who plays such a, we will get, we will get. Too. We will get to Victor's mom and how this movie finally does. Mother I was going to say like, oh no, I was like, how this film does not have the same kinds of mommy issues that the Whedon <laughs> that the Whedon yeah, cut does. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. in this scene where we see Barry and Iris meeting each other, it is both one of like um, one of the most like heartfelt scenes and best examples yeah. of how you can still come up with something a little bit novel in a trope, a superhero trope that's been done. Uh, the trope here being super speed. Um, the Flash's super speed in the DCE was different. It's got the, the blue electricity that seems really destructive all the time. But I know the, <laughs> I'm always thinking to myself, like, bro, like you're a fire hazard, like slow down just a yeah. little bit. Um, but in this scene where he's in the process of trying to get a job in Central City as a as a pet, as a pet co-worker, essentially, um, he sees Iris on his way in and they have that thing where they look at each other like, ooh, we're soulmates. Um, and as she's driving away, she gets into a car accident and it presents Barry with the opportunity to really show us what all his powers can do. Um, you know, beyond in the first cut, he really just sort of ran around and zap, zap, zapped. Um, in this, we see that he is vibrating at high frequencies to break things rather than, you know, open doors at high speeds. Um, he's zooming to save Iris in slow motion in a way that really gives you a sense of what the world looks like from his perspective, something that we've seen before. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also this moment where it's like, oh, what if, how to put the, the, the idea of a superhero meeting their one true love in a moment where they're saving their life is very old hat. But something that this film does is like, what if in that moment, the way that your superpowers affect you really became the reason that you fell in love with that person? And with Barry, it's because, because of his speed, he's able to have like a really meaningful couple of nanoseconds just like looking and like taking in Iris's face and being like, wow, you're beautiful and i mm -hmm. want to get to know you and that is clearly the energy that the scene is going for but then the scene like ruins it by becoming kind of like a dick joke like a messed up dick joke that yeah. involves you know the slow motion hot dogs from the hot dog stand that also got hit by the oncoming car where you've got this one hot dog that's floating just in front of iris's face where barry Which... is you know perfect to knock it out of the way and it's like what the fuck is this it, it's 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 so this uh, you know it's like I, I you gotta have people in the room looking at these scenes so you can like get people to different perspectives given your your view uh like i get the joke that what he wanted to make with like the 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 meat snack with the dogs after the whole thing and like that like you could have made that just 
it, all you had to do was do that scene in a less creepy way of him just like quickly palming one and putting it in his pocket. Don't make it this like other romantic moment he has with the hot dog and he's as ginger with it as he is with her. Like, I get that you wanted to make the joke that he needed to have a, an alibi as to what was happening and needed to be with the dogs with the meat snack. Like, hmm. you didn't have to make it so awkward because it, it could was, have been it was it, literally it could have been any other kind it could have been any other kind of like food vendor on the corner sure sure um, sure but yep. it quite literally was like a slow motion shot of a man grabbing a hot dog and putting it into his pocket and it's like jesus christ like, like you guys we don't have to we don't have to live like this um and there you know we, I, we won't dig into each and every one of them but like the last thing that i wanted to bring up is like that that moment at the very end right where it's we, we've got like we've got the one scene where Jared Leto's Joker actually nope. pops up in Cut this it. film. Cut it. Um, I wish, I wish we could, but we must, because um, it really does need to be called out. Um, Bruce has a lot of dreams. Uh, he gets a lot of sleep in this film, and while he's sleeping, he tends to have visions of the future, um, one of which is a dystopian future in which there's a new Justice League that includes him and the Joker. And it's like, okay, sure. At the end of the world, it's you and me, right? They give, they give each other a couple of jabs about what's happened over the years. And then out of nowhere, it's just like, um, I forget what the exchange is, but it's like Batman says something, Joker says something, Batman says something, and the Joker's like, who's going to give you a reach around, Brucey? And it's so like, bro. Weird. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are we going for like, are we going for like prison jokes, right? Like, That's what it was. Like, like circumstantial homosexuality jokes at the end of your movie, at the end of your movie that was doing so much work to be better than what felt kind of like a regressive adolescent sensibility that was in the theatrical cut there yeah. are moments where it is so present here that it almost feels like yo did you bring joss whedon back and ask him to help you write a couple of scenes because this feels like garbage my dude it's also it's also again just like this the flash scene it's a scene that could have been fine could have been quick get in and out show us that little teaser of like what you wanted and don't write a 10 minute scene for batman and joker to talk back and forth it's stupid yeah 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 we said this at the top of the show, but it was almost like a warning. There's a lot. There's a lot to not like about this movie because it is far from perfect. Better than is not always the same as good. Mm. But that being said, there are some things that really jumped out at us as being kind of like, oh, oh, this this almost makes this entire wild ride kind of worth it. This episode of The Real Canon is brought to you by Honey. Guys, all we're doing for shopping is doing it online. That's where it's at. And we all see that promo code little spot. And we're like, man, I wish I could put something in that promo code slot. Well, good news. I got something that puts something in that promo code slot. It's called Honey. It's a free browser extension, looks over the internet, and it works on over 30,000 online stores that will give you promo codes for gaming, tech, fashion, food, all the things you buy and consume and play in that order. Sure. Um, I know I shop online all the time and Honey has given me personally a ton of savings. I've used it for years now. It's always a fun little surprise when it's like, hey, yo, I can take money off your cart. And I'm like, thanks, yo. I don't say yo all the time, but when I'm talking to Honey, I can't help it. Honey, it pops up automatically. You click it, you apply the coupons. It saves you money. You watch the price drop. It's found over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. That's billion with a B. So if you don't already have it, you could be straight up missing lots of savings. It's free and installs in seconds. And by getting it, you'd be doing yourself a favor and also supporting the show. I'd never recommend something I don't use, so get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash canon. That's joinhoney.com slash C-A-N-O-N. Thanks, Honey. Okay, so let's let's surprise everybody with the things that we did like about this movie <laughs> because I was surprised I liked a lot of things. 
Um, yeah, so I wanted to start with like some of the smaller, uh, not necessarily more flashy things that really kind of worked in this. Um, Alfred. Alfred has never, truly, Alfred has never really been a favorite character of mine. I understand what his oh. purpose is. Um, I get what he does. Oh, Master Bruce. Um, I do like the Michael Caine, um, Alfred the most. Truly, just like tired and sick of, sick of Bruce's shit. And there's yeah, a lot yeah. of that same energy here. But it's not just towards Bruce. This Alfred is so sort of like, I'm not really interested in being your butler because I feel sort of any desire to be indentured to you. I'm just here to do things because I don't trust anybody else to do them right. Which I, like that just little bit of detail makes him as someone within Bruce's orbit so much more interesting because it makes the arc that Bruce sort of goes on this like, Bruce makes friends. It makes it so it makes it makes it make so much more sense because you kind of get the sense that's why Alfred's there for the whole movie. Essentially, he's really just yeah. watching his adoptive son, like finally, um, you know, finally leave the house and you know make some pals. And Irons is unable to to step away from being charming this entire movie. Um, you know, whether it be uh, you know, him having the interaction that we, you know, recall from the previous cut of him with a uh, cyborg and cyborg taking over the, the night crawl and him going, I'm sorry, do I know you? Like, that's charming. But then also like his little inter interaction with Diana making the tea and like telling her every little thing to do and being <laughs> e e exceedingly British throughout that whole thing. Um, and Diana's like, bro, like you, 5,000 years, like, you know, in her mind, she's like, I, 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 I watched the seat, you know, the, the root of this genus of tea. You don't even know, but go, sure. Have you, have your fun. Irons, Jeremy Irons is, is, is a highlight of this. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, and, and I, I, I called it out, uh, as well, uh, in the previous episode where in rewatching the Whedon version, you, you can tell like that Ray Fisher was wasted, um, in the Whedon and his, Act, his acting his performance actually gets to come through in this one and i loved that he was like a slash the main character of the movie in this version because his story is so much better and his performance has so much gravity to it and i adored every scene with him i mean it's it's like i said earlier it's not so how to put like a lot of these stories always sort of feature like the newcomer you know and they sort of like they're they're sort of like joining the team becomes yeah an integral part of the story think back to uh the first x-men film right it's like rogue is this mutant who's out there on the run and her coming yeah. in contact with wolverine sort of becomes you know a big part of the plot um cyborg is kind of that character here right but he is given an agency and an importance that really to say that like he like got the short end of the stick is like that's not like that that doesn't even come anywhere close to really capturing right. what this film does because i hate it when film i hate it when people are like oh like this is the emotional heart of the film um because i do think that this 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 film is not like what we would think of as a traditional organism like i think that there are multiple hearts beating within this all at once yeah yeah um, depends but, on what hour you're in in the movie ex exactly exactly but the one of the most consistent through lines through this is really spending time watching Victor go through what we would consider your traditional heroic metamorphosis. Metamorphosis? Um, both in terms of his conceptualization of himself and his powers yeah. and his understanding of himself within uh, the context of the larger world. Um, yeah. Something that always really kind of bugged me about the Whedon cut was that in the end, Cyborg, in addition to being literally ripped in two, you know, by... Um, 
by Steppenwolf in a scene that becomes inconsequential because he just put like pulls himself back together, but you're still made yeah. to watch it. And so it's like, well, why even do that? Um, yeah. Here, something that I, I really appreciate. Um, oh, sorry. The point that I was trying to make was that uh, the Whedon cut really ended up making him feel like the other half of the MacGuffin, you know, the, the MacGuffin mm -hmm. that could actually speak in a way that the mother boxes couldn't. And there's still a little bit of that here um, in the, in the Snyder cut, I think just because of the way that the story is crafted. But this movie does so much more of um, actually what the Doom Patrol series, where Cyborg is also a main character, has also done in terms of giving you a proper understanding of the true scale of Cyborg's power set, rather. Yeah. Um, and uh, honestly, scaling them up a little bit just to make you understand why he stands alongside the rest of the team um, in right. terms of what makes them the Justice League. Honestly, the yeah. funny thing is, in the end, Aquaman kind of ends up feeling like the most, like, not unnecessary. He's very much, you know, a part of the team and he has his moments. But when they're in the thick of the battle, it's like, bro, unless you have, like, a, a river nearby, you're really just kind of punching and kicking. And while you may be dense, there are multiple times where he just gets flung around because, like, yeah. he's, you know, he's, he's hard to break, but that doesn't, his mass is it's small. But with Cyborg, this film goes out of its way to be like, well... In a technology, like what is a man who can control technology in a world that relies on technology to spin? Um, he is uh, being like that is akin to a god, right? In the yeah. same way that Superman, just by dint of his sheer physical strength as a god, and Wonder Woman, in terms of her mythic quality, the same is true of Aquaman as a god. And I guess you know the Flash is also supposed to be the the, the science, the, the the meta the meta science element of all of this. Um, mm -hmm. That sequence um, where Victor truly is going inside of his own mind and visualizing what all he could potentially do when he comes into the fullness of his powers. Um, one, truly visually stunning. Um, I'm thinking about yeah. that shot where he's commanding the missiles. But then it's like, oh, right. So in this universe, if and when shit really starts to go down, go down, right? Like when the Armada shows up, what will Earth do? Um, at the very least, you know, um, we know that there will be a fleet of missiles, you know, that are all being essentially guided by cyborg. Now, obviously, that's not that's not to say that that's the best approach to dealing with an invasion. Right. That's a very mm -hmm. aggressive militaristic approach. And that's another <laughs> conversation to have. But it does give you a sense like, oh, in a, if if everyone had to fight each other, as they still do in this film, what would cyborg bring to the arena? And I think that that. Because they clearly want Cyborg to be the team's, um, because Cyborg is clearly being framed as like the team's black member, although we do have the Martian Manhunter now. Um, mm -hmm. the, you know, this film is like, all right, like if we're going to treat him that way, we're going to give him all of the same kind of reverence and respect that the other characters yeah. get. And I think that that more so than anything else, like that's great. I, I, I couldn't, like it, it came, became pretty apparent early on in this film, uh, flaws and, and, and successes aside, that, um, a big difference I felt in this movie is that uh, it's like okay, Zack Snyder clearly likes these characters. Just oh, he actually yeah. likes these yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like it, I couldn't put my finger on it until I saw the antithesis of it. But in in comparing the Whedon versions, like I, he didn't like any of these characters. Like it did he, often he liked, feel like he was poking fun at them. Yeah, you know? like Flash did nothing and was and had that scene with the first interaction with Steppenwolf and the Parademons where he's like, I've never been in a fight. What do I do? And Batman's just like, just save one person. And in my head, from a comic book perspective, I'm like, Flash literally can do almost anything with his speed because of his ability to just basically control time to a certain degree. Like mm -hmm. he moves so fast, he can almost do whatever 
because he can stop time in the fact that he's going so quickly. Um, and that's not even to start like what he can do with just the sheer power he 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 creates and that kind of thing. But Whedon, I, I felt like he didn't like the character. Same with uh 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 you know Cyborg himself. Like you're talking about right now, like he didn't like that character. I, uh, he obviously had a problem with the actor, and uh I I feel like Snyder not only liked these characters but also got the actors to like the characters as well. I mm. I was trying to make a, a post today on our Instagram um, and, and I even made it on Twitter where I was like, I, I, I wanted to you know let people know like, hey, check out the, the Whedon version that we of uh, the episode we put out on Friday. And I for the second time, I was trying to find a photo of Joss Whedon on set. There's no photos and I don't know mm. why. I don't know if like they, they just got rid of them. Um, but if you look up Joss Whedon like, set photos from justice league you get Zack snyder ones more you actually mm. get him like pulling ben affleck aside and being like hey here's how you do this or like him showing like henry cavill like a shot they just did like him having camaraderie with these actors and i think that comes through because like snyder you know he's he is a fanboy for the good or the bad of it like he he likes these characters and at the very least that shows in this movie and and you could tell he you know, knew cyborg could either be underpowered or overpowered. And he was like, I want a cyborg that can, that is, a, there's a reason why he's standing next to a Kryptonian mm-hmm. and a 5,000 year old, you know, Greek goddess, essentially. You can definitely feel a lot of uh, Snyder's fanboy energy in this. And fanboy, you know, it is a pejorative term, but it isn't always an inherently negative thing. Um, I think that you can see and feel it the most in the way that the film handles Wonder Woman and Superman, uh, two characters who I think the film both does a great service to um, and kind of still gives a short shrift in the end. Um, One of the wild things that sort of like popped up in the conversations around um, the film is like how different um, the Snyder Cut's Wonder Woman feels from Patty Jenkins' uh, Wonder Woman um, that we had at the time when the theatrical cut first came out, we had just seen the first film and now we have 1984 behind us. Um, a lot of people had issues with the fact that like Wonder Woman kills. And that to me, that was like, that's why we had that first conversation because it's like people, people have short memories, right? It's like, yeah, Wonder Woman has always killed. Like she's an Amazonian warrior. She has no qualms about like chop, chop. I will chop that head and let you know, don't fuck with us. Like that's, that's her shtick. Um, I don't. She has think a sword. She has she a has, sword. Right, right, like, what's she gonna do? I feel like we had this conversation on the last episode. It was like, hey, what's she gonna do? Poke you with it? But like on this um I will say something about this that I ended up really appreciating is that this does, even though it's a very different thematic energy for Diana, um, Patty Jenkins films, both um, they both really emphasize uh, the power that Diana's compassion and love gives to her. Um, This was a celebration of the fact that like Wonder Woman will kill you. Not just that, like she will mess you up and look damn good doing it. And it's, it's, yeah. I distinctly remember the one thing that I loved about Batman V Superman. It is that scene where she shows up, even though that line is she with you was really bad. When that Hans Zimmer ridiculous, I think it's an electric violin score um, comes up and she's just like, yeah, when she's just, she's wailing on, uh, doomsday, doom, oh, Lord, ridiculous names, doomsday. And, as dark and ridiculous as that movie was, just like visually, I distinctly remember being in the theater and seeing something that essentially boiled down to like a tiny little golden dot on the screen, throwing itself with physics that 
telegraph the fact that they were all Diana, just being like, I'm coming for that ass. Yeah. This actually, (laughs) right? But you know what I mean? It really was just sort of like as much of a blur as that film was, you could see the points of light moving in such a way where it's like, no, that's not just a single dot. That's a body. And that body is ready to go. And in this, even though the film is still visually a little bit darker in palette than what you might see in Marvel, I did come to think of it as being rather bright. Because I turned off all my lights and, you know, watched, tried to create a theater-like experience. In this, in that scene, that opening scene where you see Diana, um, you know, like sliding through on the floor and blocking all the bullets, she does very similar things in Jenkins' film. But it plays up the idea that she's moving at super speed a little differently. There's a little bit more blur to her motion. In this, it's all very just like clear, hard cuts. Like, nah, she's just working. Like, she is working and all of these humans who are fighting her it's actually a mix of fear and awe that makes them keep shooting at her because they're like i don't know what the hell is going on it's like oh shit like that's wonder woman and i totally i love that um i also i I will say you can there are still a couple of moments where they try to touch on the idea of diana and bruce maybe becoming like attracted to one another and it's like i don't want i don't want that like no 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 no, uh, ew the awkward mouse moment Right. And it's like, I'm sorry, in what world does, again, we're going to keep saying it, 5,000 years old, this woman, this <laughs> goddess has truly seen everything. She's going to get flustered in front of Bruce Wayne. No, 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 no. Um, and also like Bruce, Bruce, better than the weed and cut, but does still kind of feel a little second fiddly um, in this. Bruce um, is like actually the one that's like um, back to like the normal way that most people think of Bruce Wayne and Batman on Justice League is like, why is Batman on Justice League? As opposed to in the Whedon, it was like, <laughs> why is Cyborg on the Justice League? It's like, this, no, we got back to the normal. Like, that's everybody asked that. Like, why is Batman on it? That's where we're, we're used to that conversation. And I kind of appreciate that the movie oftentimes, like, gets Bruce the hell out of the way. Because it's like, well, what is he supposed to do? Especially once his little <laughs> gauntlets start, you know, they, they, they absorb all the energy they can. And he shucks them off. And he's like, well, yeah. I could punch it. It would just bite my arm off. And so the camera's like, let's not look at Bruce right now. And it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um we have yet to sort of talk about um, the big blue elephant in the room, and I want to because I do still feel that even though Clark's handling is slightly different in this film, I still mm-hmm. don't like this Clark Kent. I still feel <laughs> deeply unsettled by him. Support for Real Canon is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million people worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. I've used it for quite a while now. I appreciate technology that is geared towards that specific area of my body. It treats it very gently, and I appreciate that. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. That's great. Thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. And it even has waterproof technology, allowing you to groom yourself in the shower. Hooray, no mess. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CANON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code C-A-N-O-N. Thank you, Manscaped. 
Okay, I, I'm actually going to say this, Charles. I actually really like talking about Superman with you. I, it's it's actually turned into one of my favorite subjects to talk with you because <laughs> I'm I'm highly interested in your take on Superman. I, I, I Superman's a character I like in general, so I like mm. to to kind of see people's thoughts. And in talking with you and even other people recently, I've really noticed that Superman um, isn't as unifying as a character as I grew up to think he was. That everyone like comes to Superman with um, their own individual like perspective, and I think that's really interesting that he he's a catalyst for that kind of a conversation and 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 no one to disagree that henry cavill's portrayal of superman has been a catalyst for a lot of discussion on like yes. is he a right superman is he a wrong superman is this how you do superman and i don't and i personally for the for the the parentheses of this i don't have like i think the right answer i don't think there is a right answer but i'm i'm curious like do you think that snyder did a better you know job with the, the treated superman better this version is this still problematic is it still weird I mean, I don't think that the Superman has ever been problematic beyond the fact that he's just weird and creepy and you can tell that there's a thing on his face that you can't see that you should be able to see and the studio is lying to you about what's there. No, um, I think that uh, my biggest takeaway from the Snyder Cut's uh, take on Superman is that it does a much better job of trying to root this reality in a much more modern understanding of how rea- reality almost bends itself um, to the existence of Superman. I, like many people, did not care for Doomsday Clock, um, a terrible, terrible <laughs> story. But one of the more interesting things that came out of it was this theory about um, Superman being the center of everything in sort of a way that reflects the way that the character uh, has a rather central position in our pop cultural consciousness and in, mm-hmm. um, in WB and DC's brand portfolio. Um, what this movie does um, is posit that same kind of idea in some ways that close up some interesting plot holes from the first film. Um, There's a brief moment in this where um, I forget which characters are having the conversation. Again, one of the issues that come with a four hour, four hour long film, but it's why I tried to watch it a second time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But someone basically comes to the idea, Oh, the reason that the mother boxes went dormant um, and that um, apocalypse, the apocalyptans have never been able to uh, come back and, you know, get what they left there. One of the reasons why is because the mother boxes, which are sentient devices, um, went quiet because of their inherent fear of Superman, presumably because oh, yeah. whatever capacity they had to monitor the events of the world that they were hidden on led them to believe that the existence of Superman would jeopardize whatever plans that Darkseid and co had for, you know, the reunification. Um, I, I, as that is here's the thing. So I, whenever I hear people expressing like, well, that's dumb. I agree. It is silly. That's comic books though. Like truly that is very, <laughs> like that is to, in terms of ideas, the kinds of ideas that are plucked from comic books and turned into like core elements of a movie that, that kind of I will accept that as a as a as a, as a sort of just premise, um, especially as a sort of like reasoning as to why the film goes out of its way to treat Superman like a father figure that everyone fears and is in mourning of, and you know is still very convinced that um, they need to have around. Um, the film does definitely soften his edges a little bit. It also I think did a better job of. I don't know, giving us a reason why they really needed to get him. Um, and, yeah. and part of that comes part of that comes from like not rushing it through so much. It gave breathing room for everybody else. Like I personally I liked the fact that we got the more extended heist version of them getting 
uh superman's body and then making him alive and everything like that oh definitely uh, yeah 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 especially because it made it seem like his body wasn't just being left alone <laughs> yeah um it, i i like that i i i did enjoy like uh cyborg's uh brief realization of what was happening while he was about to resurrect you know superman um and the confusion he had with barry and everything like that um so I, I I like that they had brought a reason why he needed to come back. Uh, and also also in the resurrection scene, it's the same basic re- it's the same basic job that Barry has in it. But you do get the briefest glimpse of what it looks like when he runs so fast that time goes backwards. Which you know it's 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 an unnecessary Chekhov's gun, but I appreciate it, especially because as ridiculous a concept as it is, when he does you know run backwards through time, that's you know that's a comic book mainstay, particularly with a character like the Flash, you know. Again, a- another moment that I enjoyed was that moment at the end of the film was him, you know, having that that decision. He has to break his rule that, you know, is not a good rule for him to break because it can mm. also just, you know, unravel all of existence. But he uh, he does the running back in time. And that was visually explored in such a fun way. I, you know, I enjoyed it. It's it's always great when you see a filmmaker set out to be like, all right, I know that this is in, this has been done. How are we going to make it look? cool and it's not just like a visual representation of going back in time it really does sort of i mean i guess it is that i'm, I'm getting ahead of myself it here. is like uh, in, on a very <laughs> scientific way though because like uh, the fact that he's going faster than light you know according to our understanding of time that's how you go backwards i just really appreciate that in that moment you are getting what feels like the groundwork for the flashpoint uh, yes. story that may come in the flash film and also a justification for the dreams that bruce keeps having something that i do feel is sort of like common between um uh, justice league both versions and the original I'm not, for what, well, the first two avengers movies is this idea of like prophetic visions coming upon sure. people who don't expect them um i think that might be just sort of like a common idea that both whedon and snyder felt was interesting it's a way to, to it's a way to like get people interested about your 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 franchise exactly you know? oh, like, I, got, I got more ideas I got more and ideas it's, and it's especially a good way to get like a character like bruce who isn't necessarily always going to be in the thick of the battle something to do um giving you know and giving uh giving bruce the visions would have it, it, it still does make him seem kind of like dc's answer to iron man but at the same time because you have barry breaking his rule it does sort of introduce well here's why bruce is having these dreams we don't necessarily know exactly how all of this nonsense works but because bruce has a history of seeing parallel futures barry has messed with the time stream okay sure 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 sure. it's all very flimsy logic but i will accept it for what it's like what it's attempting to go for and by and large really kind of nails quite well yeah it's you know it's kind of like they've they've pitched the idea and we've decided like okay i'll play in the space i'll play in the space you're 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 fine for the moment you talking about um how the film really sort of gave you a reason as to why uh the team needed superman i think that's true but at the same time i think that the film in doing a much better job at showing you what the first age of heroes looked like also really it was a bit of a double-edged sword because it made it much clearer like oh the justice league is just like a concentrated version of what was right the best of what the world had to offer turned into these six paragons of humanity and amazon kind and atlanteans coming together that being said though like there were no Kryptonians back in the first age I, of heroes. So the, it's like, so what are y'all freaking? And well, yeah, what are you freaking the out The two about? connecting tissues of these movies that is still a weak point is that is that origin story, Lord of the Rings sequence. It's, it doesn't, 
It doesn't hold up. It, it doesn't, doesn't make hold up. Sense. And it looks so good. But And I get why it's there. And it's like, I too want to see all of the Greek gods, you know, you know, really messing some aliens up. But it's like, I'm sorry. Did all of your gods die? Is Ares, are Ares yeah. and Athena, uh, Athena, <laughs> was Athena unavailable? Could you, could you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is. It's just, it's, it doesn't, it's one of those moments that doesn't even hold up in the moment of you're like, okay, they're all like the Amazons still have like bows and arrows and swords. The men are just men. The, 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 uh, we've got the Atlanteans, you know, uh, the parademons are still dudes with laser guns with that can fly. And, and dark side is, you know, yeah. Okay. I get it. If Ares and dark side fight, that made sense of like, you know, that being somebody who could fight against, uh, dark side, but, they also just like say like, oh yeah, and in their haste, they left the mother boxes. And I'm like, you mean their entire, their like, entire religious thing? system? Yeah. They and left it's... behind. So I think you could have, you still could have fixed that sequence to make sense. Yeah. And there are, and it's not, it's, it's the things that we're talking about here really do feel sort of like big glaring, not even like plot holes, but just like unfinished elements of the story that went yeah. unaddressed in the final cut. And it's like, well, because this is my director's cut, it doesn't need to be addressed. And it's like, no, 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 this highway truly just sort of cuts abruptly and cars will just run off it. You need to give, you need to give me somewhere else to go, especially because yeah. you can feel that the core ideas there aren't bad. It's just that the execution right. never came to completion. Um, right. I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about... <laughs> So, uh, part, part of my, part of my not always loving DC is just because the names are silly, um, silly to the point that I can't take them seriously. Like apocalypse having lips in it just is, it makes me think of lip smackers, um, and like lip chat. <laughs> and then you look, and then you look at dark side and he's cragging. It's like, bro, you need some lotion. It's all very, and his name, and his name is just dark side spelled wrong. And then I could go oh. on. <laughs> I also, I talk about that, that, that origin sequence, like they showed he has the Omega beams in the, the, what the world could be sequence that he has, but he doesn't use the Omega beams in that big old fight. No, no, no. The, but he does origin. use the Omega beams when he's in Atlantis taking the one mother box. Right. Like he, right. And here's the thing. I will say this. One of the film's best shots. I have never, I've never, <laughs> I've never loved dark side. I do think the Omega beams look cool as shit and seeing them functioning underwater there's something about the contrast between the precise efficiency of the Omega beams and the clumsiness of how the Atlanteans have to summon bubbles of water to speak clearly. Otherwise, they so have to like stupid. click. It's still stupid. No, no, no. I love it. I love it because it truly is just like from in that moment, I was like from Darkseid's perspective, he's like, oh, these podunk people clicking underwater. Zap, 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 zap. That, was, that to me, like that to me worked. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, OK, but we do have to talk about um, we do have to talk about um, skin issue Thanos over here, who, <laughs> you know, who truly has his own, you know, space wizards. Um, and it's like, okay, so dark side for real, for real. Like, how did you, you, you brought it up before, like, how did you lose them, lose some other boxes? We were going to talk a little bit about the larger discourse around this and something that's been really weird about the movie. I mean, something that's been really weird about the movie is how people have gone out of their way to explain some of the plot holes specifically involving like the mother boxes where people are like oh well if the mother boxes were the gps for apocalyptic society if they lost it there's no way that they could i'm just like bro i'm sorry no 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 if <laughs> if no. these things were so central to their society i can't imagine a reality in which people would just 
leave them. Now, mind you, that does happen a bunch of times in this movie. Um, the scene where the Justice League, after they bring Superman back, just like leave the mother box on the ground. It's changed a little bit here. Here, um, Silas Stone gets it and has a moment, uh, a moment of heroism for himself. Whereas before, truly, like, Steppenwolf is just like, oh, yoink, and then left. Um, that still works, but like, uh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's easy to do. It's easy to do when unpacking this giant film. Uh, this movie is, I think, a, a validation and also an invalidation for a lot of these people that have been asking for the Snyder Cut. Oh, right, right, right. I think right, you were, right, you're, the you're touching on it in that this movie is, I think, a great example of what you can do, like we said previously, with mm. a, a good old heaping helping hand of privilege, um, <laughs> time, and also the current space we're all living in. Let's face it. This is on a streaming service. We're all at home. We're all, we all have nothing to do. Um, and we're down to like sit down and, and you know, you, you can't have people sit in a theater for four hours and watch movies. But if you put out four hours on a streaming service, people can like take breaks and like me watch it in two or three, you know, settings, that mm -hmm, kind of thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, but it's still, um, a, you know, an example of like, even with that amount of time, you know, your, your dude Snyder still made mistakes, still, um, you know, couldn't draw on the lines every single minute of the whole movie. Um, and, and it's not necessarily like, you know, the, you, you, these Snyder isn't like this hero that's going to fix this universe all around. Like he still has like the flaws that he had prior to the Whedon version of justice league. Um, but all that being said, like, I think it's a, it's a very, I don't know if it's troublesome or worrying or, or just, I'll, I'll say for a nicer word, just interesting, interesting thing to look at this continued uh, relationship that fandom has with the creative process and how that keeps changing. Yeah. Because we've talked about before, like fans reacting to stuff is starting to really affect the conversation of how stuff is made and it can be the, for the good or for the bad. And I think this is an example of both. I'm, I'm so interested to see what comes next right because obviously the studio right. has so much more data to work with now and i keep seeing these news articles where snyder's like nope there's no plans of any other stuff happening there's no you know i've got no more interactions with this he is just waiting for everybody i mean right now it's trending on twitter like release the snyderverse like it's trending he knew it was going to trend if this thing did well and i understand that and i think that like there i think that i'm sure that the, i'm certain that the conversations are being had but at the same time i think that looking at the snyder cut we need to pay as much attention to what still does not work about this as much as what does. Because recreating this is not, I think, the right direction. Um, I think that what we saw is truly like a really good makeup assignment. And it's like, oh, wow, like you really could yeah. have had this right. But the game has changed. And there are so many other spinning plates in the air right now that have been put in motion um, that were put in motion in the interim between these films. I'm, I'm thinking of the new Suicide Squad, the next Batman right. film, um, everything Flash. in the future, The Flash. I think they're, do they're doing an Our Man movie. And it's like, okay, sure. Um, to bring Zack Snyder back into the fold would be to, I think, backtrack on a lot of the writing of the ship that the studio has been doing as of late to figure out what to do in the absence of a Snyderverse. And to fully commit to that would be, to fully commit to that immediately would be to sort of kowtow to the idea that 
the cult of personality that exists around Zack Snyder is something to legitimize and be taken more seriously. And that right. I do not think is the case um, because but the cult of personality I'll say, I'll say is how problem, you... I'll this problem, though. Mm. That you, you talk about some of the writing of the ship that they've done. Like, I don't know, Wonder Woman 84 wasn't a writing of the ship, in my opinion. Wonder Woman 84 was kind of a another misstep, right? I mean, it depends on who you ask. I did not particularly love the film, and I... I that's the wild thing about DC is because every time it's like, oh shit, like one step forward, it's like two steps back and three to the left. And you're like, what, do you, what, where, where are we right now? And he's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, why, yeah, yeah, why yeah. is, no, why no, no, is, you nailed it. Like, why is Joaquin Phoenix here all of a sudden? I was very confused. I thought we were talking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, that's just like, <laughs> that's just like how, and then that's exactly what the Snyder cut feels like, right? It's like yeah. this glimpse into an else world of like, huh, that's, that's cool, but I don't think it's the thing, you know, it's still, it, it's, it's cool. It's better than the Whedon, but I don't, I still don't think it's the thing you want to be the thing, you know, that, that, that you can't help but compare DCEU to the MCU, you know, every single step of the way. And MCU has found their thing. Kevin Feige keeps, you know, helping the thing progress. Like, you know, they, they're, they're, I'm sorry. I don't recall seeing Ben Grimm in anything, John. What are you talking about? He's been <laughs> missing from all this shit. You might hope so. <laughs> Have you seen? Have you seen that? Like that, no. that, one of the good memes to come out of Wandavision is like someone said thing twice, and then was like, "This is all oh, yeah." <laughs> I know. I was there when everybody was like, "Oh no, John Krasinski's going to show up as 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 a Franklin Richardson." What? And I'm, I'm like, "No, he's not, guys. I know you want it. It's not going to happen." Um. So I think Snyder Cut is is just is just a very interesting piece to look at it was enjoyable to watch uh you know to a degree and and i think it is actually a bit of a writing of the ship and and again he only got to write the ship because he got a lot of extra time it's a makeup assignment you nailed it charles but i still think they they still got to find their path with this dceu um and i don't know if like you know uh james gunn with snyder the not snyder james gunn with suicide squad or matt reeves with batman is going to be that route you know i hope i don't know so I, I genuinely think that we have we are touching again on a subject matter that we could have had like another episode to talk about this but that's just because that's the kind of guys that you and i are hey. um i'm i'm gonna look at the clock and say let's move on to head cannons and send this on its way sound good let's do it okay we'll try to keep this as brief as possible because again the, i think i'm asking a question that we could talk about forever but <laughs> um the, you know, the headcanon is there for us to be able to talk about because this movie does leave off to all these possibilities of like a second Justice League movie that could have been there still mm. could be where I'm, I'm actually very curious you, Charles, like where would you take where would you like to see Justice League? Where do you see Justice League going in a good direction next? Oh, um, wow. I mean, is, I, I, is there a good direction to go? I think I mean, obviously, yeah, I do think that the instincts that both filmmakers had to end on that sequence of um, Diana and Bruce and Alfred in what is essentially going to become the next Hall of Justice and talking mm. about room for more. I love that. I love the idea of them doing um, a grounded first step towards uh, the Justice League. But in terms of like what would justify the next Justice League movie, especially if Warner Brothers were to commit to this format for those movies, um, I think that it would be interesting. I think that you need the logical follow-up to this, right? Like with the mother boxes reactivated, the rest of the universe has to pay attention to Earth all of a sudden. It's like, oh, mm. there you are, right? Because the big question in this was like, 
how did y'all forget who whooped your ass last time? You know, like that's not really something (laughs) that just slips your mind. Like, oh, yeah, you got got by multiple races of people from one planet, all of whom hated each other. And they came together and walloped you. You forgot. Okay, Um, we do not see, (laughs) you know, we do see the first, um, I guess, new alien um, show up out of the blue. We got Harry Lennox, personal favorite. Um, as the Martian Manhunter, who does have one of like the cooler scenes where he initially shows up and is presented as uh, Martha, Martha Kent, um, you know, and sort of gives Lois the business, the 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 pep talk she needs to really sort of get herself together, and then steps out the door. That's not Martha Kent. That's John Jones. And you're like, ah, I see what you did. You creep, just like inserting yourself into this situation that had nothing to do with you. Um, but I want to see more of that. Like I. I, I as much as I like a, an Earthbound Justice League, I want to see the Space Justice League from the cartoon. That's actually interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about this as being a good because it's it's very hard to move on from like an apocalyptic situation and figure out what happens next. I think a good uh, answer to that was like Civil War. Civil mm-hmm. War in the mm-hmm. MCU was a good answer to that. Um, but I like this space thing, and so you're making me think about uh, a run from I think I think Grant Morrison's JLA where the they, the White Martians. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so if you introduce the white Martian invasion, which is this a super scary invasion of these, uh, you know, psychic, uh, shape changing, uh, Superman level powered kind of creatures infiltrating the entire, you know, uh, uh, planet. Um, and then that also gives you a chance to introduce John, you know, the Martian Manhunter and also a way of why is he here? Totally. Um, that, that kind of, a opens that up like the 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 rest of the universe is paying attention to earth and is like taking its play at it yeah i can see you know the folks on oa being like you know it's been a minute since we had a ring out in that sector and like what's going oh a genocide you say oh well it seems to me like we should get involved in this like that you know it's it's, i can see i can see and that's why i kind of think about no i want that no i want that okay erase what i just said i want i want Justice League 2 to be centered around completely Jon Stewart and the Green Lantern Corps. I, that's all I want. I, I see. I, I I think it could be both. I think that going, I think going the non-traditional route and being like, what if the Green Lantern Corps, you know, involvement on Earth in the modern era coincided with some shit going down on Mars? The kind of thing that would get, you know, mm. the space cops' attention, but also the Justice League being like, ah, 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 we're our own cops. You know, that's that to me leads to that kind of civil war attention you were talking about. Okay. I think once again, we did the homework for them. So um, hey. I await our check order. <laughs> So that brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, then why not tell a friend about the show? Word of mouth's played a huge role in helping the show grow, and we definitely want to keep that going. And if this episode was your first time checking us out, give us a follow. We have episodes about WandaVision, Pokemon, The Muppets, Star Wars, and plenty more planned ahead. Yeah. So get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more of The Real Canon. 